just to jump in. I just wanted to make sure I said it at the top. <laughs> last week we didn't talk it we didn't mention whose audiobook it was until at like 22 minutes <laughs> or something. That was for LB Dunbar. I know, I know. It's classic. We just get tied up and talking and chit-chatting. So So your birthday's coming up. Yes, yeah, so technically this airs on June 12th. My birthday was yesterday. So I feel like my husband's planning a party. So I don't know if I'm right, if I'm going to be able to come on next week and be like, oh, yeah, that's totally up. Yeah, I feel like he's planning something. And because of my mom, my mom emailed a message to me and said, what's can you send me a picture of the size cake pans you have? And I was like, why do you need to know what cake pans I have unless you're coming to my house to make me a cake? I was like, otherwise, you, you just use your own fucking cake pans. That, like, right? Am I right? I, I cannot deal with people that can't keep a <laughs> I know so that was my first like you like she should have just made it in her house and brought it over like what's the I don't know what is the thing? I don't know I don't want to talk about your mom behind your back <laughs> she listens to this podcast too <laughs> so yeah mom if you're listening <laughs> to this you totally broke the surprise if I have a party it's and I, I knew it because of you so there you go let that lay on your shoulders at night <laughs> <laughs> But no, that and the fact that my best friend hasn't, like, said a word about my birthday, which is weird, because she usually is, like, on board, like, what are you going to do? Let's have some fun. Like, let's, you know, I'll come down. Yeah. We'll have some drinks or something, you know? There's definitely a party happening. Yeah, I feel like there's there's something happening. So, also, my husband got me tickets. They're doing, it's, I don't know what company is putting this on, but it's nationwide. They're doing drive-in comedy shows. Where it's like, we have a drive-in movie theater here in our town. And so comedians are coming to it and you go to the, the drive-in and you sit there and you can watch them, like, perform. Which I think is kind of cool. So we actually got tickets to see one guy. And I don't even know who it is. And it's on my birthday. He was like, oh, I got these really great tickets to see this comedian on your birthday. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this is. You know what I want to do on my birthday? Nothing. With nobody at home. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, it's my day, you know? But I was like, okay, all right, cool. We'll go see this comedy show. And I, but I wasn't really excited about it. And then my husband texted me the other day and he was like, I got another set of tickets to see this comedy show. And he was like, I'm telling you because I didn't want you to get them. Because he knows, like, if I see tickets, I want to get, like, I'll just buy them. But it's to see Burt Kreischer, who is, um, oh, I've yeah, talked about on here before. I love yeah. him. He's hilarious. He's he's doing the drive-in comedy show. So I'm really excited. And that's, like, two days after my birthday. So he was like, I know we're going to see, like, two shows in the same week at the same place. But he was like, we've been in quarantine for four months. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care at all. That's I thought, But I thought that was a really cool way to see a show you know it was so different I, I had never thought about that before like being able to just kick it in your car you know while you see somebody that is really cool that is really cool yeah but it's nationwide so you should look at i mean i don't know if you'll go you probably won't because you're crazy but people listening you should look and see and if you watch my daughter you know i know well it's different yeah, well it's like, i mean i don't know which who's doing it like clearly it's a production company yeah so they may have more than just adult comedians so 
And she she's she's old enough to be at home by herself. She's seven, right? <laughs> Eight. She, even better. Even older. Say, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. She'll yeah. be nine this summer though, right? <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? What are you planning for her birthday? Or anything yet? I'm waiting to see what to do for her birthday. I'm like I don't have much time left to plan or to to kind of come up with a decision, but I think we might be good to have three or four friends over. Yeah. Is this in July, right? It's July 15th. Yeah. She's going to virtual diabetes camp starting oh, in two weeks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she was supposed to go to mm-hmm. like the actual camp. camp. Yeah. 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 And I was supposed to go to like the yeah. spa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has wrecked everybody's summer, okay? You know so- what? I'm not, I'm not like, I, this is going to sound so whiny, but I feel like every time I get my shit together, something crazy happens. <laughs> Like, so, we were, I, I remember, like, three, like, no, it was probably, like, four or five months ago, being, like, this is going to be so good for us. She can go to camp now. Uh-huh. Like, we can have adult time with just mm-hmm. us two. Like, we can, it's, this is, like, opening up a whole new chapter of our lives. Like, Shut it down. Gonna be more in, she's going to be more <laughs> independent. And then it was, like, boom, pandemic. Yeah, no. You know? Yeah. We know um, my daughter's birthday is the end of July, and I asked her this morning, I was, like, so, you know, have you thought about, like, what kind of birthday party you want to have? And she was, like... I want a Disney princess party. And I was like, finally, finally, the gods have smiled upon us. What specific, can, what specific Disney princess or all of them? All of them. All, and I was like, I have a Cinderella dress. I've been waiting for the perfect moment to wear. This is finally my time to shine. Is what I'm telling my my almost six-year-old, that it's my time to shine. It's my time. It's, it's finally my time. Because, I mean, like, apparently you can't give a 39-year-old a Disney princess birthday party. I've asked for it. It hasn't happened yet. So I was like, I've been kind of like looser with my daughter in terms of like what she's allowed to wear and what she's allowed to like. Um, yeah. You know, because it's school. It's just yeah. school. Like, as yeah. she dyed her hair blue, she... Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I might have, like, lost a little bit of track because I was walking. We went for a walk before we started recording. Uh-huh. And um, I look over at her, and she's got a black sweatshirt down to her knees, uh, a Billie Eilish... <laughs> She's eight. A Billie Eilish beanie. Mm-hmm. Uh, fake nails. <laughs> Literally, like... Just like an inch long past the regular nail (laughs) and army pants. And I was like, I think we would have to rein this in a little bit before school starts. How hot is it there today? She was wearing a beanie, a sweatshirt, and pants. If she, she will go into a sauna wearing that. Oh my God. Just to be stubborn. If I'm like, she gets it. I know. (laughs) Her dad, like I always say. Yeah. All the worst she, parts come from him. Yeah. <laughs> but she, no, she will, like, refuse to take, she, I, sweatshirts are, like, the thing. Like, they're the cool mm-hmm. thing is, like, these big oversized sweatshirts. And and also, she, she wanted to, like, have a certain look for her Zoom call this morning with mm-hmm. her class. So she went full, like, grunge, yes. I guess. I don't know. It is. <laughs> I don't even off. know what they call that. I'm so unhip. I don't even know what we, they call it. So she loves scary movies. And we've been kind of debating, like, whether or not we could, she loves aliens. Yeah, too. yeah. We've been kind of debating, like, should we show her Alien? Oh, uh, yeah. With Sigourney Weaver. 
And I kind of like, I went on Common Sense Media mm-hmm. and I looked and they were like, no, way too, scary, <laughs> way too scary. But I was like, it's not that it's, it's I don't think it's scary. I it's think, not scary no. anymore. I think when it came out, it was scary because mm-hmm. we ended up watching it with her. Mm-hmm. If you're a parent and your kids are kind of like borderline to watch stuff like that, the third one, give it a skip. It's all, I think it must have been rated R because it, every other word was the F word. Yeah. We actually got nauseated at one point and just turned it off because it wasn't even good or mm-hmm. scary. But the first two are so good. They hold up. They, they hold up. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it's not like jump scares. Like you're not terrified. Like It's like a thriller kind of, you know, where it's like that underlying like It takes an suspense. hour and a half to like even really start moving. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just got that like eerie, unsettled feeling for like an hour, and then and then the guys, the thing breaks out of the guy's stomach, mm-hmm. and it's it's on. Uh, but my daughter loved it. We watched the first two. Sigourney Weaver, oh, she's she's such a magnificent, badass in those movies. Magnificent, still to this yeah. day. I mean, that lady can. I just I love her. I think she's so fucking awesome. I still so like. Old. I don't know why. Like we watched Avatar the other day, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot she was in this." I was like, "She feels out of place." Like I don't know why. It just felt like this. It felt like a movie she wouldn't do. But I was like, maybe she just really liked the idea, or I don't. Maybe she's friends with James Cameron. I don't know. Like, it was just <laughs> weird that she was in it. Well, James Cameron directed Alien. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, and yeah. I'm saying halfway through the movie, I go, you know, he really does put like like strong female characters in lead. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's always the case, but Terminator, I mean, Linda Hamilton. Yeah, like, yeah. Those are some pretty badass characters. She was fucking awesome, man. But I just love how Sigourney Weaver was just like, at one point, in just underwear mm-hmm. and just like her attitude mm-hmm. was so. Like, um, fuck with this. Fuck with Unashamed. Let's yeah. dance. Just like, look at my crotch right up in the camera. Mm-hmm. I don't full care. Bush. I full bush. I have full 80s bush. <laughs> full 80s bush. You can tell. You can tell based on. The protrusion, uh-huh. the, the, the mound, the, <laughs> the mound. rounded mound. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I wanted to tell you um, what we're writing right now. I don't know. Are you still on your uh, Deadliest Catch book? Are you still oh writing your sea? Ca- are you obsessed? Yes. I'm obsessed. With oh, it. I love it. I'm at sixty-five thousand words. I think last time I spoke to you, I was around forty. Holy shit! Yeah. 50. And I think it might end up being 90,000 words. Holy it's so fuck. crazy. Because yeah. when I turn in my books to my editor, they're always around 75,000. Yeah. They're supposed to be 80. Yeah. So then the added content mm-hmm. comes like in edits. Yeah. I'm going to turn this one into her. She's going to be like, what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> no. I'm obsessed with it. I love the, that. The hero though. is like so, oh, he's just like committed, you know? And <laughs> she's like, I'm not, she's like, I'm not interested. Like, I'm not a party girl. I have nothing to, mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with you. And he's like, let's talk through this. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. That's what the whole book is. Just them talking uh, through it. Huh? It's just great. Yeah. Well, not the whole book. Like, she's got some. Anyways, what were you, you were talking about what you well, were that, I, I, I cannot remember if we came up with this idea on the podcast or not. So I wanted to tell you and tell me if it sounds familiar. But um, so this girl is a cocktail waitress who is trying to lose a few pounds to fit into her uniform a little better because it's too tight. And the guy gets mad that she keeps trying to lose weight. So he burns the gym down. (laughs) Pause for reaction. (laughs) He keeps sending her food. There's no logic in that whatsoever. he keeps sending her food. Where she's going to go to another gym. And we're calling it stuffed. <laughs> oh 
my god. Uh, it is the most stupidest, wonderful thing ever. It's wait, ridiculous. Wait, so who's, who's the hero? Where does he fit in? Like, what's his profession? How does he know her? What does it matter? How does he know her? He sees her at the casino. She's, oh, okay. a, she's a cocktail okay. waitress at a casino, and he sees I her. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think we came up with that on the podcast. I would have definitely remembered arson <laughs> being a theme. <laughs> He's so angry. He's so angry the whole time. He's so mad. Uh, I just love just volatile heroes. Just like... I love a hero with just no sense. Like, just fucking crazy hero. I love it. I lo- we were talking about it the other day, and um, we had just written, like, this really sweet story. We wrote it for the podcast. that's um, coming in July. It's the um, the lovely baker and um, lovely neighbor. Like, the whole – there. it's a it, duet. But um, we were talking about how sweet it was and how, you know, how much we enjoyed it. And I was like – I had just finished reading Cresley Cole's books, and I was like – yeah, I want to write a crazy hero. Like, uh, <laughs> I need to write someone who's fucking nuts. Because after reading um, the third book in the series, The Player, after reading him and how fucking nuts he was, I was like, I want to do a book in Vegas. Like, or Mel actually plotted where it was. And I was like, this is perfect. And I was like, because I want him to be nuts. Like, I, I was yeah. like, I just need that. After having, like, a sweet hero who is just so devoted and loving, like, I want one that's psycho and that's going to burn down a gym so she <laughs> stops working out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? I was I so, I was telling my husband this. With and everywhere. he was Are like. Are there people inside or does he wait till after hours? I mean, it's after hours. Like, no <laughs> might determine That might determine how crazy he actually is. No, he, he definitely burns down with nobody inside. But. So I was telling my husband this, and he was like, "Oh my God, you're you're writing a feeder relationship." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like he's gonna just keep sending her food, and he was like, "And he was like, oh, he's like, I can't believe it." And I was like, "I just want that." I was like, "I don't know how to describe. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I want that sort of. I want that level of devotion where it's like you love me more when I'm bigger, you know, like that." And he was like, "What do you think this is?" <laughs> it's like what do you what kind of relationship do you think we're in right now well because sometimes it's like no matter how much maybe this is just me mm-hmm. but um you no matter how much your husband tells you he loves you exactly the way you are if you're me you're just always kind of a little bit doubting it and you're like maybe he's just maybe he's maybe he does he does love me but maybe he just feels obligated to say that you have doubts and things like that. But when someone burns a gym down for you, yeah, that's there's that's, absolutely yes. no doubt. There's no doubt. It's gone. Like He's you, like, well, you, you can't would... work out now. Now what? Yeah, so, yeah. So maybe that's nice. But you know, yeah. I guess I've always known that my husband would eat my ass after four days of unshowered camping. So like <laughs> that, like I just. I have no doubt that he loves me exactly the way that I am. Like, you know, like, I think that's, I think that's what was so funny about when he's like, what do you think we're, what kind of relationship do you think we're in? Cause that's exactly it. He was like, when have I ever said we should join a gym? <laughs> you know? Meanwhile, my husband Good came morning. downstairs the other day and I was working and he goes, Oh, I had a nightmare last night. No, he goes, he goes, I had a dream uh, that I ate your ass. And I, he was like, it was a nightmare. <laughs> He was, he was joking, but <laughs> yeah, he was joking. But I was like, I was dying laughing. Oh my god, that's no. the funniest thing. I love it. Yeah, um, I started watching this show called Broadchurch. Have you watched it? No. What is it? 
So it's like the guy, it's like David Tennant who played, who from Doctor Who. Oh yeah. Okay. Another actress, a British actress. I think she was in The Favourite and she was in, um, she was in Fleabag. She played like the evil stepmother in Fleabag. So they're like cops and they're in this tiny little English seaside town. I think it's Ooh. called Broadchurch. <laughs> You're like, I don't know where this title comes from. I'm not from. sure where the title came from. <laughs> Opening credits is the name of the town. <laughs> it's a downer. It, it, if you're not a true crime person, it's probably not for you. But okay. it starts off with a little boy being discovered on the beach. Okay. And then these two cops trying to figure out what, what happened, who killed him. And everybody's a suspect. But, like, not just that. It's that the suspects are so, um, like characters Mm -hmm. that like oh you've got the flirty girl at the hotel you've got the secretive dad and then you've got the jaunty postman i love that i love when everybody's a character everybody's like so um like the overplayed over yeah like they're they are the epitome of a because there's and that makes them memorable so when there's like 12 suspects you don't lose track of them because you remember yeah. You know, like... Yeah, because they're, they're, they have they're, these quirky things about them. Right, right, right. Yeah, that are so, so stand out. You it's know, really good. I felt so that far. way about the movie Knives Out when I watched that. Did you ever see that movie Knives Out? I couldn't God, finish it. It's, it's, mama! I didn't like it. I don't know why. Oh, I, I loved just, it. I couldn't I finish it, was, it. I thought... I love that everybody was just a little over the top. That's what I liked about it. And the twist at the end, I thought was really good, too. So, but I... It was the same way for me. It was memorable because I felt like every character had this little thing. And it was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. It, it was like too many perspectives of the same exact situation to where I just, I, I don't know why it didn't uh, keep my interest for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. It could just be when you watched it. Sometimes I think that it has to be. It could have been my mood. Yeah, you're you know, right. I remember that. What was the um, Leave in Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage? Do you remember that movie with Elizabeth yeah. Shue where he goes, basically goes to Vegas to like drink himself to death? I remember watching that movie when I was in high school on the couch sobbing because I thought it was the most beautiful love story ever. <laughs> he just goes to Vegas. I mean, spoiler, but it's like 25 years old, but he goes to Vegas and drinks himself to death with a sex worker. <laughs> it's just like, I remember just thinking, this, this is just so beautiful. They just love each other so much. <laughs> I look back and like, God, that was, I was in a really difficult place. <laughs> like, I've had a thing like this. Hormones actually. were new to me. <laughs> My friend Jill and I got wasted drunk once in a at a book signing. We were in our hotel room. We watched How to Be Single. <laughs> we were like, this is the best movie ever. And with, so it's like Dakota Johnson and uh-huh. and there's an ambiguous ending and like it's just about her and like these guys and her trying to like just it's so, it's, there's, it's terrible. <laughs> we thought, and we woke up the next Even morning and we see like each other and we were like, star. that movie was terrible. <laughs> what happened? We were uh-huh. like, we got off and like had a three hour conversation uh-huh. just like about the, our deepest insecurities. And we were like, what happened that that movie brought that out of us? <laughs> How to be Sometimes single. Sometimes it just does. You know, if it was like that for me, I was staying the night with my friend Christina, like way back in the day. And um, her husband used to be a manager at Blockbuster. 
And this was when they were huge because he had an entire room of movies. And so one night we watched the movie Closer with, um, I may have even talked about this before, with um, uh, Julia Roberts and Jude Law and Natalie Portman and what's that really tall, fucking gorgeous British man, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. So it's the four of them together and they're, and two of them are married and two of them are dating and they all cheat on each other together. So the movie is about that, about them all cheating on each other. And I remember she had put it on in the middle of the night. She, we were in the bed together and she went to sleep and something caught my attention. And I ended up staying up to like three in the morning and watching this whole movie. And I just remember thinking, this movie is fascinating. It's <laughs> dirty. It's filthy. It's wonderful. And I watched it a few years later and it's still really good, but it's also super fucked up. But I think it was just like at the time when I watched it, it was like, that's what my brain just gravitated to where it was like, oh, I need this filth right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. I watched that movie in the theater. Oh, it's so good. Just I love so it. sexy when Natalie Portman's stripper. I, God, I when she strips, of being yeah. a stripper. Have you ever had a fantasy of being a stripper? I know. I have. It's not really a stripper fantasy. It's more of like a call girl fantasy. Yeah, but I like, have that too. Yeah, <laughs> I have that too. <laughs> no, but just like the, just because you're the center of attention. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're an object. For sure. Yeah, objectification is a big one. something that turns me on about that, like object objectification. Uh-huh. I think I've talked about it before. Yeah, like, yeah. As long as, like objectification, like it gets a, it's it, there's a neg- like a lot of negative aspects mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. But like if you're if you're the one that if desired, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something hot about it, you know. I think that's the whole idea about like being the stripper and in in a room full of men and that sort of. That's why I like the the whole fantasy about it, like you being called to go to a party or something, you know, where it's like you're the only woman. You know, in a strip club, there's lots of women, but it, I think to be the only one and be desired the most, I, I think. We would be sexy i get that yeah i had a i wrote a book like that kind of called chase me mm-hmm. where the um the heroine is like a struggling actress in new york city and she mm-hmm. uh she does singing telegrams but there's like a cd like a like an after dark side to the singing telegram company that's like you know strippers for parties yeah and so she's going broke and she's like all right uh, like i'm gonna have to to do this like I'm gonna have to just do it once or twice and make enough money to pay my bills and the hero who she met previously in the book is at the party oh know? shit and he's like dragging her off of the like you know the Ooh, I like and, that um, I read a um oh a Sydney Landon book like that do you did you ever read her Sydney Landon did you ever read her back in the day no I feel like maybe we've talked about this too Oh, fuck. It's called Weekends Required. And so this girl is, that's the first book in the series, and it's so good. But it's, um, this girl is a secretary for this guy, and she moonlights as, um, like, jump. she jumps out of a cake and stuff, like, kind of <laughs> like a stripper thing for bachelor parties. And he's there, and he sees her. And it's so good. It's so, so hot. Mel and I both love that whole series. I want to read that. Yeah, it's really good. It's called Weekends Required, because after that, after he sees her do that, he makes her, like, work weekends and stuff, so she can't do that job anymore. Oh, Mel. Yeah. I remember Mel talking about it now. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so old school one it's like when i was in my bella andre face <laughs> it was back in that yeah i love that story idea uh okay so we are going to play the second half of moravian rhapsody by katie Robichaux, and we'll talk to you on the other side bye bye chapter six
Mikolas. Never have I felt such pride in my musical abilities as I do right now, watching Dixie, or whatever my beauty's name is. She said that wasn't a real name, but couldn't quite get her words out. Laugh and clap with all her might. If I thought the way she was watching me play my freestyle balladesque solo in the beginning of this song was the most tantalizing thing I'd ever seen, her eyes once again half-masked, her face dreamy, then I had another thing coming. Because nothing could be more alluring than being the one to bring such unhindered pleasure to her face. I imagine this could only be topped by causing a much different form of pleasure to display across her features. <laughs> one triggered by my tongue between her long legs draped over my shoulders, as I force her to come over and over again. And now, we'll allow you some time for conversation with your friends and family while you enjoy your dinner, Ivana announces, which is our cue to play airy background music at a low volume. Usually, I appreciate this time to just relax instead of performing so dramatically. But after seeing Dixie's reaction to one of my more theatrical performances, this time feels like a wasted opportunity. With her ocean eyes on me, the restaurant is overwhelmingly humid, and I set my violin on Georg's bench for a moment so I can roll up the sleeves of my button-down shirt. It may lose me some tip money when the older people see my tattoos, but hopefully I've wooed them enough with my violin playing that they'll overlook the fact that I don't look as traditional as I had before. I wipe the sweat from my forehead with my forearms and hands with one of the hand towels we keep folded behind the dulcimer. When I look up again, she still watches me, ignoring her food, which must be getting cool by now. The thought makes me uncharacteristically angry, the food not being absolutely perfect for her. She deserves the best we have to offer, the finest in the country, and if she doesn't eat soon, it won't be as delicious as I need it to be for her. I can't walk up to her and make a scene in front of everyone. Again, I don't want to embarrass her. And right then, an idea pops into my mind. If she is the submissive I feel in my very soul she is, then I look her dead in the eyes, then down to her plate of food, and then back to her eyes and mouth. Eat your dinner. The dreamy expression disappears as her eyes widen, and for a moment I think she's going to be indignant, offended I've ordered her to do something. Was I wrong? Was I a complete imbecile and read her wrong? But no. She gives me a nod, a small smile tugging at the corners of her perfect lips, and she turns her body to face her dinner. And without another glance in my direction, she picks up her fork and starts to eat. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was right. How the... Georg counts us in interrupting my thoughts, and I grab my bow and place it to the strings of my violin beneath my chin automatically and begin to play by muscle memory, 
my mind completely elsewhere. I've never been one to believe in love at first sight. Maybe lust, sure. Attraction can happen instantaneously. But to be so in tune with a person that I haven't been able to keep my eyes off her for over an hour, that I had talked myself into the idiotic scheme of going after her in a lady's room, that I was able to sense her submissiveness without even speaking to her. That has to be from a much deeper level than just plain attraction. That's a connection I've never felt before. Fate, though? Fate, I'm a firm believer in. And I have not one shred of doubt that this night was fated for the two of us. Chapter 7 Dixie Bossy. My lips quirk at the stern look on Mikolas's face when he mouthed for me to eat my dinner. Was I making him uncomfortable with my blatant staring? I mean, there's no doubt I probably look like a creeper, just sitting there watching him like some kind of fangirl stalker. But I can't help it. Every time I try to look away, I find myself watching him yet again, without even realizing I moved. So... Is that why he told me to eat? To get my eyes off him? I sample each of the foods before me, baked pork, country roulade, red and white cabbage, and a variety of dumplings, and everything is absolutely exquisite. I learn roulade is a rolled up pastry the consistency of bread pudding, and its sweeter flavor pairs perfectly with the saltiness of the pork and savory cabbage. I eat it all, the perfect amount not to make me feel overfull. They must have this excursion down to a science, because I have just enough room for dessert and will still be able to walk out of here without wanting to go straight to bed. Unless it's to Mikolas's, that is. Call me easy. Call me a hoe. Call me whatever one's heart desires. But I have no doubt in my mind that if Mikolas wanted me, I would give myself to him in the blink of an eye. Dessert is served as I continue to let my mind wander. It's about time I let loose and have an adventure of my own. And what would be a better adventure than making love with a handsome foreign stranger I'll never see again? But even at the thought, my heart sinks to my pleasantly full belly. Never see him again? Never look upon the most handsome man I've ever laid eyes on? Never again watch him play his violin as if the instrument itself is a part of him. Never again admire the way his fingers move along the strings, making me wish I could feel them play between my legs. The thought has me finally placing my fork across my empty plate and turning my head so I can watch him once again. And it's like I'm seeing him again for the first time, so devastatingly good-looking now with his shirt sleeves rolled up to his elbows, showcasing a sleeve of tattoos on one sinewy forearm. I hadn't noticed them before he ordered me to eat, because I'd been daydreaming of what it'd be like to have Mikolas fuck me over the side of the dulcimer, the fantasy bringing heat to my cheeks, even as I narrow my eyes, trying to focus enough to make out what his tattoos are. And then I see it and his knowing demand makes perfect sense. In between swirls of gray and black is a symbol, almost a yin-yang, 
But instead of two halves with a dot in each one, the circle is cut into thirds. The symbol is outlined in another circle. It's a Triskelion, a three-spoke wheel representing the three divisions of BDSM, bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. Others believe the symbol represents the motto of the BDSM community, safe, sane, and consensual. While others say it means tops, bottoms, and switches, the three segments of people in the community. Either way, I recognize it in a heartbeat, and my entire world topples over in the best of ways. The way he held me to him, the way he commanded me, the way he holds my stare. Mikolas is a dom. And how I so obediently followed his order should let him know, he's gotta know, that I'm a sub. But how? How did he recognize what I truly am? What gave it away? As far as I know, I was just being a normal chick on vacation in a foreign land, eating dinner with the new friends she made. How could he tell just by watching me that I'm like him, but the other half of the same coin? I have no idea. Won't have an idea until I get to speak to him, if I ever get the chance to talk with him. And if I have the chance, if I can make my damn mouth form actual sentences, I shake my head at myself. What will happen after dinner? Will we only have a few stolen moments before I have to go back to the boat? That thought makes my gut clench. No, no, surely I'll have more time than just the seconds it takes to go from the restaurant to the bus. Please, God, let us have more time than that. How will I ever find him again? And as if Ivana heard my pleas, she announces to the dining room, Everyone, we have one final song for you, and then you will have two options. You may immediately load onto your bus to travel back to your ship, or you may spend the next four hours touring our village. We have many shops and the museum that stay open late during excursion dates. Then you will all meet up here once more at 11.30 p.m. to take your bus back to the cruise. The choice is completely yours. My heart swells inside my chest, and my eyes dart from Ivana to Mikolas, who is watching me intently. When I give him a tentative smile, he returns it and gives me a subtle nod, making my stomach erupt into a herd of puppies with a case of the zoomies. Without further ado, here is the bird song, Ivana says, her arm thrown out as she makes her way out of the center of the band's space. Mikolas walks out into the center of the floor, his violin at the ready, and then he starts to play. It's a lovely song, a happy love song, no doubt, if it had words. There are no solemn notes, only an uplifting melody, putting a serene smile on everyone's face. I pull out my cell phone and turn on the camera to record a video of this, Mikolas's moment in the spotlight. If nothing else, at least I'll always have this video to look back on when I think of him. When he opens his eyes and sees I'm recording him, he grins and strolls over to me as he plays, and I hear chuckles from the men and snickers from the women around us as he dips toward me so I can get a clear shot of his finger work. His gaze never wavers, and he continues to play, 
making it clear to everyone that he's showing off for me. And I hear a couple catcalls and whistles. I hear a woman behind me murmur to her companion, ooh, he must like her, lucky gal. And I can't help but giggle. And then the song stops, not ends, just stops. And suddenly, Mikolas makes the strangest sound I've ever heard come out of a violin as he flips his hand over the wrong way on the fingerboard and plays the strings with his bow. Birds, birds twittering and tweeting and singing in high-pitched song fill the room, and everyone lets out a collective ah as we realize why Ivana pointed out this is called the bird song. Mikolas is a magician, and his violin is his top hat that he pulls tricks out of to make everyone fall for him. Only, when I walk out of here, I won't be like everyone else, storing this show as a cool memory to think back on whenever they tell their loved ones how their vacation to Prague went. No, I will look back on this time, this memory, this video, as the moment I fell in love with a man I don't even know. And that moment is sealed when he stops the birdsong, stomps once for a beat, and blows two kisses into my camera. And everyone in the room erupts into laughter at the blatant show of flirtation. My cheeks heat at the attention, but I don't even care. I love that he's making it known to the entire room full of people that he likes me. Then the song continues the way it was going before the bird part. And when the band finishes, we all stand and give them a round of applause. My face aching, I smile so wide. The members of the band all take their bows, and Ivana tells everyone who was chosen to go back to the boat now that they can head to the bus, after tastefully pointing out the tip basket sitting on top of the dulcimer. We're heading back now, sweetheart, Ron tells me. These old bones can't make it to almost midnight, but... He looks over to where Mikola stands, shaking hands with the people approaching him to tell him how wonderful his playing was, even though he makes no move to hide the fact that he's keeping one eye on me. You feel free to hang back. I'll let your dad know you wanted to get in one last tour. Although I have a feeling, from the way you two keep undressing each other with your eyes, that you'll have a very special tour no one else is gonna get. Barbara gasps and swats her husband's arm. Ronald, you leave the poor girl alone. She looks at me, honey. She lowers her voice and leans in conspiratorially. You go climb that handsome boy like a damn tree. I don't even blush. I'm too shocked to feel any sort of embarrassment. All I do is let out one loud snort laugh before I slap my hand over my mouth. What? Barbara prompts, I'm elderly, not dead. And she gives me a cat who ate the canary smile before taking hold of Ron's arm for him to escort her to the bus. I grab my purse, tucking my cell back into the small pocket in the back, and throw the crossbody strap over my head. I pull all but three twenties out of my wallet. My mom taught me to never allow myself to be stranded somewhere without enough cash to get me home if I need to and weave my way between senior citizens to the dulcimer. I tuck the money into their tip basket and see the man sitting on the bench raise his eyebrows. I'm sorry, I ran out of check money earlier today. Is it all right to leave US dollars? Y'all were so wonderful, 
and it's all I have, I tell him, hoping he won't be annoyed that he'll have to get his share converted somewhere. No, no, darling, it's perfectly fine. I was just surprised at the amount. You must have really enjoyed the show, he replies. I nod with a smile, feeling relieved. Oh, I did. It was absolutely amazing. Y'all are incredibly talented. Plus, I'm a bartender and know what it's like to live off tips. I explain, even though it's not the whole truth. My salary before tips at Club Alias is astronomical in comparison to most bartender wages. But I don't want him to think I'm some rich girl on a luxury vacation when that is not at all how it is. I don't know why I care what this stranger thinks of me. Maybe because he seems so close to Mikolas, the way they smiled at each other fondly throughout the show, but I do. Thank you so much. We're glad you enjoyed yourself and hope you'll come back someday, he tells me. And I smile again before giving him a little wave, turning to give the bass player a nod of appreciation before I back away. And then my heart begins to race when I see there are only a couple more people in line waiting to meet Mikolas. I feel awkward, just standing here by myself, my anxiety starting to rear her ugly head the longer I don't know what to do with myself. And just as I'm about to chicken out, turning toward the door, about to run to catch the bus, I'm sure is long gone, so I'll have to figure out a place to hide for the next four hours, or find a taxi to get me back to the boat. I feel a presence at my back, a heat that's soothing and exhilarating all at once. Suddenly, I'm twirled and pulled into his towering hard body by one arm at the small of my back, seeing as his other hand still holds his violin and bow, and I gasp as I look up into his dark eyes. Without thinking, I breathe out, Fiona. My real name is Fiona. And I melt against him as a heart-stopping grin spreads across his swoon-worthy face. Fiona, I am Mikolas, he tells me in that deep accented voice of his. And I swallow and nod vigorously, my eyes wide like a deer in headlights, I'm sure. I, I know. You play so beautifully, Mikolas. Th thank you for such an awesome show, I say super proud of myself for making complete sentences. Look at me. His eyebrows lower as he gives me a sexy shrug, attempting modesty even though he has to know how talented he is. We did all right tonight. I was a little distracted. His gaze is a caress as it trails downward until it lands on my breasts, which are hiked up for his viewing pleasure the way my torso is pressed to him. When he lifts his eyes to mine again, he asks quietly, Will you come home with me, Fiona? I swallow once more, then relax into his embrace, giving in to the one thing I desire more than my next breath. I nod, yes, I whisper, and his eyes flare with heat as he turns me around, wasting no time getting me out of the restaurant. Chapter 8 Mikolas Her nervousness is endearing. I can tell without her even uttering a word that she's never done anything like this. 
gone home with a stranger. It's intriguing now, since she's so obviously a submissive. Does it mean she's only been in dominant-submissive-committed relationships? I can't wait to ask her every question that pops into my mind. But I must get her to my home first, so she feels more secure to answer openly without anyone overhearing us. My loft is within walking distance of the restaurant. Just a quick jaunt to the main square of town. We come to the complex that is made of 20 lofts. I rented it a few years ago when my mom started dating, after she'd been in remission for two years. It didn't look good to have her then 25-year-old son living with her, for her or me. But I only lived at home with her in the first place in order to be nearby if she needed me while she was sick. We make our way up the staircase as I hold her hand, and she holds onto the banister with her other. I pull my key out of my pocket and let us into my home, locking the door behind us and hanging my key ring on a single hook on the wall of the foyer. She twists her fingers together anxiously, glancing into my loft taking in her new surroundings. She's got to be terrified, but at the same time, if she's feeling the same thing I am, which I'd bet my last dollar she is, then there's no way she could have passed on this opportunity. I step up to her, and her eyes come back to me as she takes an unconscious step backward. I stalk her until her back is pressed against the wall, and my arms cage her in on either side of her head. I, I've never done anything so crazy before, Nicholas. Please, her voice trembles, bringing every protective and proprietary feeling I possess to the forefront of my mind. I duck my head to catch her eyes. I would never hurt you, Moelaska, I promise gently. I know what you are, and I know what you need. Her breath catches, and then her hand raises to trace the tattoo on my forearm, the triskelion I got years ago. I know what you are, too, she whispers, and I nod. Is that what Dixie is? Your submissive name? I ask. And then I lean down to run the tip of my nose up the long column of her elegant neck. Hmm, gardenia. My question has been answered. Her silky flesh smells of gardenia. Mostly. I don't have a dom, but my boss has said I have to have a nickname while I'm at work for privacy reasons. I... I'm a bartender at an exclusive BDSM club. Not a skeezy one or anything. A super fancy one, she rambles. And her innocence screams to me, even as she tells me she works at a sex club. I came up with my own fake name. That stupid game that says your poor name is the street you grew up on, plus your middle name. Mine was Dixie Beth. And I just went with... My lips slammed down on hers, cutting off anything else she might have nervously word-vomited. Stars burst behind my closed lids at the first taste of her as my tongue sweeps into her mouth. And it's all I can do not to come in my dress slacks right here and now. Oh, 
It's been so long, so fucking long. And never was someone I felt this way about. Because there's never been anyone I felt this way about before. Alaska, your subname is now Alaska, I tell her, her big blue eyes going wide as I growl the words against her lips, and she nods, tears springing to her bottom lids as she smiles. You accept me as your dumb, Moe Alaska, I practically beg hoping she understands I don't mean just for tonight. But just in case, I make it clear. I know this is crazy, beautiful girl, but I've never felt this way before. It would be an honor to be your dumb, and not only for tonight, from this day forward. She gasps, her mouth falling open. And as much as I want to steal the opportunity to thrust my tongue between those parted lips, I must hear what she has to say first. She shakes her head, making my gut sink. But then her words make it sore. This is crazy. Completely, utterly insane. I don't know a damn thing about you, Nicholas, but there is a connection between us that is unexplainable. That doesn't need words. And there's no way I could live with myself if I didn't see where this leads. So yes, yes, I accept you. My face splits into a grin as I reach down to the backs of her bare thighs and I hike her up, her legs automatically wrapping around my hips as her arms loop around my neck. I carry her into my bedroom and straight to the bed falling forward onto the mattress and basking in her sweet giggle before my lips find hers once again. My arm threads between her lower back and the bed, and they scoot us up to the headboard, taking one of her hands and then the other and lacing her fingers around the iron spindles there. Don't let go, I demand, and I hear her whimpered, yes, sir making my already hard cock weep with pleasure from its tip as I kiss my way down her body. She must have lost her flip-flops along the way to my room because they're no longer on her feet, as I unbutton her little pink shorts and slide them down her legs, leaving her in a lacy white thong that would bring me to my knees if I weren't already there. I can't wait to truly test the bounds of her submission. But right now, for our first time together, all I want to do is get to know her body, the smell of her flesh, the taste of her juices. I already see glistening at the sides of the lace hiding her center as I part her knees, the feel of her pussy as it milks the cum from my cock. How tight will she be? I bet she'll strangle my rod as I sink into her. Her whole body practically vibrates, and I want to put her at ease. I want her to melt and become pliant, giving in to both of our needs. Relax, I murmur against her inner thigh, and trail my tongue down to the apex, 
before hooking her panties with my finger and tugging them out of my way. Oh, beautifully bare, and oh so pink. I shudder with anticipation. Oh, you're so pretty, your moy Alaska. She shivers as my breath hits her slick pussy. Mmm, so, so pretty. And mine. And with that, my mouth latches onto her center, and I bask in her cries of pleasure as I work her over with my tongue, lapping, then sucking up every drop she gives me. My arms loop around her thighs until I can use my fingers to pull back her little hood, exposing her clit before I circle it with the tip of my tongue, stealing her breath as I gently scrape my teeth along the bundle of nerves. When I suck it between my lips and focus my full attention there, I savor the feel of her legs locking around me, and as I look up her body and into her lovely face, I see she's been watching me pleasure her. But only a moment after our eyes lock, she throws her head back in ecstasy and bites down hard on her lip, keeping herself from making a sound during her orgasm, but never letting go of the headboard like the good sub she is. I kiss up her body, leaving a trail of wetness in my wake until the front of my thighs meet the backs of hers when I sit up on my knees. That was such a good girl, Alaska. Now, take off your shirt, I command, watching her obey as I unbutton my own and toss it to the floor. Now your bra, I see her swallow her shyness peeking through after I just had her completely relaxed. My beauty, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You're exquisite, I assure her, trailing my fingertips over her bare stomach, her skin softer than anything I've ever felt before. She bows upward to unhook her bra, her eyes wandering over my exposed chest and abs, and I let her look her fill as a fire burns in her bright irises while I shed the rest of my clothes. Free come leaking from my cock as I see the perfect handfuls of her breasts with rose-colored tips for the first time. Chapter 9 Laska. When my bra is off and I see him take in the side of me completely naked, aside from my thong, his expression tells me everything I need to know. He truly believes I'm beautiful, exquisite, as he called me, and it does wonders for my confidence. It looks like he wants to devour me, every muscle in his bare, breathtaking body tense and ready to pounce, and I've never wanted anything so badly in my life. Take off your panties, Moy Alaska. Slowly. That's it. I want you completely bare when I make you mine, he says, and his voice brings tears to my eyes, not only because its tone and his accent are so achingly beautiful, but because of the words he actually speaks. 
I never thought anyone would want to possess me, own me the way he does. When I've done what he commanded, I wait for him to consume me with his eyes. The wide planes of his chest rise and fall rapidly with his breath, and his nostrils flare sexily as he clearly tries to rein in his control. But I don't want him to. I want him to lose every restraint and take me, use my body to steal his pleasure. His voice is tight when he tells me, My beauty, it's been so long since I've been with a woman. I don't have anything to protect you with, because I certainly never dreamed of fate bringing you to me. Do you have one in your bag, by chance? I see the desperate look in his eyes. He wants me so badly right now, but he wants to protect me. Yet I can't help but laugh, shaking my head. I'm on a cruise with my dad, Mikolas. I call him by his name, because he hasn't given me his dom name otherwise. I never imagined meeting the man of my dreams here, much less getting to make love with him. But I'm safe. I'm on birth control to uh, regulate things. I blush, but don't look away from his intense stare, so he knows I'm telling him the truth. And it's part of the rules at work that I must get tested monthly. I'm clean, and the doms there don't want me for intercourse anyway, just for scene demonstrations. Whips, floggers, those types of things. I haven't had sex in years, I confess. And I do look away then, ashamed of my celibacy even though it wasn't on purpose, wasn't self-imposed. He moves then, and within the blink of an eye, he looms above me, his face close to mine, so all I see is him. It was fate, Fiona, he growls, and his use of my real name makes me shudder with pleasure. He gentles his voice as he continues. You've remained untouched by any other man for a long time. And I've been alone for just as long, just waiting, knowing anyone less than you wouldn't even be worth the effort. They wouldn't understand me, wouldn't accept who and what I am. I knew no one between then and now would have satisfied what I crave. And now. He trails his eyes from me, leisurely taking in my nakedness until they reach where his muscular thighs separate my lithe ones. Now I've been rewarded, rewarded for waiting until my perfect match was delivered right to my door. I swallow thickly, speechless over the fact that Mikolas believes I'm a gift sent to him by whatever god he believes in. I try to remember what the tour guide explained about the religions here, but we're in Moravia, where all sorts of sects crisscross and merge, and if he lives a bohemian lifestyle, there's no telling what he believes in. He could worship nature, art, and beauty. I shake my head, because now I can't distinguish the difference between what the tour guide told us and what my favorite movie Moulin Rouge taught me. I want to make love to you, sweet Fiona. I swear on everything I'll keep you safe. Will you accept me? He asks once more. Only this time, I know he means without a condom. And like the rest of this crazy day, I go with it, giving in to my wanderlust. Because for some unknown reason, I believe him. 
I believe every single word he's telling me is the truth. I glance down at his tattoo, tracing it with my finger, and then look back up into his eyes. Keep me safe, Mikolas, I whisper. Safe, sane, consensual. I accept you. And as I reach up to thread my fingers through the back of his short hair, he lines up his long, thick cock with my entrance and slowly, inch by excruciatingly perfect inch, sinks into me, filling me fuller than I've ever been before. I pant, sweat breaking out at my temples as I adjust to his size. His arms hold him up above me, fists planted in the mattress on either side of my head. He watches my face, his nostrils flared, keeping a tight leash on his control. And although before I wanted him to let go of every restraint he had, I'm thankful for the power he has over himself as he allows me to just breathe through this intense invasion for a moment. The second my inner muscles relax, he lets out a growl that sends a chill up my spine at the possession I hear in it as he begins to move. And I see fucking stars. Oh God, I whimper as the ridge of his cock head scrapes along my G-spot exquisitely, and my nipples pebble as the light smattering of hair on his chest teases them. As he plunges in and out slowly, he pulls my hands from where I've got them gripping the back of his head and laces his fingers through mine, trapping them above my head, which makes my back arch, my breasts thrusting upward. He bends his towering frame enough to latch onto my nipple, and without even having a chance to gradually build up, my orgasm sweeps through me, and I cry out in ecstasy. I bite down on my lip hard to cut off the sound and keep quiet as he growls deep in his chest while he continues his assault on my clenching pussy. Don't hide your desire from me, Moelaska. I want to hear your screams of pleasure. He grates in his delectable accent and I give him what he wants as he picks up speed. Wave after wave of the most intense feelings I've ever experienced wash over my entire body, head to toe, and I scream as another orgasm crashes into me. My head begins to thrash on his pillow, and all I know that exists in this world is him, Mikolas, my fantasy lover come to life. As his scent overwhelms me, Masculine and intoxicating, I don't know where I end and he begins, and my heart feels like it might explode as something I've never felt before starts to overtake me. He stills my panicked movements by slamming his mouth down on mine, thrusting his tongue along mine with the same rhythm his cock fills me over and over again, and then I'm floating, floating, floating outside my body, looking down on us as his deliciously male physique lays waste to my much smaller feminine one. Subspace. I've only ever read about it. Never experienced it before. And how he's gotten me there without using anything but his huge and perfect cock is beyond me. He lets go of my hands and sits up on his knees, looping his arm behind my back, and pulling me up so my ass smacks against his powerful thighs every time he pummels into me. 
My breasts bounce against his chest every time he drives upward, using his muscular arm to slam me down onto his steel-like cock at the same time. His other hand tangles up into the back of my hair as he tilts my head the way he wants it and kisses me like his life depends on it. And for all I know right now, it just might. With one, two, three more life-altering thrusts, I come one last time. And as my inner walls ripple around his breathtaking girth, it sets off his own orgasm, his roar of fulfillment echoing around me, and I feel jet after jet fill me, his hot seed soothing the ache inside me his size has caused. As his grip on me gentles, I realize I'll probably have bruises in the shape of his fingers along my hips, and nothing could make me happier. Those same fingers he used to make his violin into a weapon to lure and trap my heart just turned me into an instrument he played to perfection, until my life will never be the same again. He slowly lowers me to the bed, his cock still hard inside me, and he rains kisses all over my face and neck, making me giggle lazily, even as tears leak out the outer corners of my eyes. He kisses those, too, letting out a gruff sound. I didn't hurt you, did I? But even as he asks the words, I can tell in his tone he knows he didn't. He read my body too well, the epitome of a good dom. He recognizes the tears for what they are, a product of overwhelming emotion at how beautiful what we just experienced was. I meet his eyes, shaking my head languidly before closing them again. Not even a little, I murmur, still feeling floaty. Rhapsody, pure, unequivocal rhapsody. I chuckle to myself, a Moravian rhapsody. Mmm, he hums, rocking his hips forward into me, making me gasp. Not to be confused with the bohemian kind, huh? He kisses me sweetly. Decisions must be made, Moyalaska. I peek one eye open, the slightest bit of worry filling me. Whether you want to keep me or not, now that you've had me, I voice my biggest fear. My other eye opens at his growl of possessiveness. I'm never letting you go, Fiona. Now that I've had you, you're mine, forever. You can be sure of that. His hold on me tightens. I swallow thickly, relief tingling through every vein in my body. Decisions about how we can happen? How we can be together? I question, my voice sounding far away to my own ears. No, no, my darling. We have plenty of time to figure that out. He replies, and I snort, shaking my head as a smile stretches across my face. We probably only have like two hours left before I have to meet my bus. Ah, so my woman has a sense of humor. I'm happy to learn that, because you're funny if you believe I'll let you leave me when I've just now found you. He says, planting soft kisses up my neck. My toes curl into his bedding. Are you keeping me hostage then? I ask. Only for the night, my love. 
I'll take you back to your boat in the morning. You'll call your father and let him know you're somewhere safe, he tells me, leaving no room for argument. Not that I would, since I agreed to accept him as my dom, and that's something I take seriously. So what then? What decisions must be made? I imitate his accent, feeling almost intoxicated, and I giggle as I look up into his eyes, which are full of nothing but wonder. Whether to treat Moelaska to her much-deserved aftercare, or to really have some fun, now that I've made love to you and made you mine. He throws it down like a challenge, and even in my drunk-on endorphin state, I meet his gaze head-on. Challenge accepted, I slur, giggling once again. And with an intimidating growl that doesn't match the completely happy look on his face, I squeal as he lunges forward and spends the next several hours showing me what I have to look forward to in life with him as my dom. This has been Moravian Rhapsody by K.D. Robichaux. Read for you by Mackenzie Cartwright and Leo Barnabas. We're back. Hey. <sighs> the <laughs> hot, sexy side. <laughs> satisfying romance. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a happily ever after. Yeah. So you want to, if you want to stay in this world, go check out Before the Lie. It's free for the first time ever. Um, and it's within this world. So she's giving away signed paperbacks of that as well uh, over on readmeromance.com. You can go enter to win on the homepage. And the Blogger Diaries trilogy, the first book in that series is free. So uh, go check that out too by Katie Romashoe. So she should be on, um, it's, in, it's in Kindle Unlimited. So okay. anything else? But I also have to say just for myself that this time tomorrow is up for pre-order now. So go grab it. Oh my God, hell yeah. Why don't you say something sooner? You should I don't know. Set, I know. Do an, I, you, there should be an ad this week for it then, okay? We will do an ad for it because okay. we need to tell her right. Because, I mean, the first one was so freaking good. I can't wait for the next one in the series. Yay! The next so, one, just based on the feedback I'm getting is that it it's better. It's better than the first? <laughs> no shit. That's great. So yeah. if you read Reborn yesterday and you want the second book, it's out today? No, it's up for pre-order. Oh, now. it's up for so, pre-order. Okay. Yeah. It's up for pre-order on all platforms. So Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, iTunes. Awesome. And, and then it'll be out on June 22nd. Sweet. So. Are you doing audio in it too? I don't think so. What? Get out. <sighs> I know. Well, I'm, I'm like your one audio you know, reader. It's, you know, <laughs> it's so expensive. It is. To produce it's your so own audio Listen, we, we produce them every we week. <laughs> I know. We do it for the podcast, but it's it's different when it's like a, an 80,000 word book. Yeah, it's very expensive. Huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like... I don't know. It's, I don't. It takes I, a long I'm, time to recoup that cost back. It takes a long time to recoup the cost yeah, back. And yeah. my husband's like side-eyeing me. So <laughs> um, anyways, but uh, you, yeah, this time tomorrow you can pre-order it now. And Oh, and by it. the way, if you are listening to this episode, uh, this particular episode will not be on YouTube because I forgot to hit record. 
Sorry. You didn't hit record, bitch? (laughs) I did not hit record, bitch. Nobody reminded me. (laughs) Oh, and also Nikki Sloan is going to be on the podcast next week. Oh my God, uh, I can't wait. Which is with with some self-described porn. Uh, Basically, (laughs) she said it might be be too dirty for the podcast. Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you come next week, be the judge. Yeah, you tell um, us. If it's too dirty for us, I don't think that's possible, but we'll have to see. All right, we'll see you guys Monday. Tell them what to do, Leah. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance.